Welcome to episode 416 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. His hat is black, his shirt is blue, and his heart is questionable. Let's Russell John the Fisherman. My heart is full. I am wearing a blue shirt today. It's Easter spirit. I think this color <gasps> blue is very Easter. Dabba dee, dabba die. Also, I have a Golden Girls Live shirt on in memory of uh, Hecklina, who passed away. Uh, oh. Mysteriously over the weekend, and normally I don't I don't bring this kind of shit up, but it is the day of resurrection, so maybe she'll crawl out of the grave. That seems inappropriate. <laughs> nah, I think she would dig it if you knew Hecklina, which I didn't really, but apparently everybody we hang out with did. Yeah. The scary thoughts do. Like Chad used to live next to her. I don't know. Yeah. Fantastic drag queen. I'm I'm really hoping that the Golden Girls Live will continue because that was a fucking incredible show that they put on forever out here and we really can't afford to lose any more culture in this city so please keep that going well fentanyl has another <laughs> thing to say about that i don't think fentanyl's hurting the culture it's giving us something to talk about yeah like that joke I- <laughs> also joining us is randy michael stat from atlanta georgia yes sir what's up randy what's going on Oh, you know, just hanging. We did a uh, great episode of the Seltzer cast uh, before this. So just, uh, yeah, just winding down from that. And uh, I put my um, still water that was supposed to be seltzer away. And now I've transferred uh, to a, a alcoholic beverage of choice. Oh my God. So, so are you feeling uh, well hydrated after our, show, or after our appearance today that I'm going to talk about? Absolutely, yeah. I haven't had a uh, liquid IV yet today either, but I'm feeling, I'm feeling hydrated. You know, I haven't, I haven't done liquid IVs in a long time. That's it. End of that story. That's because you started by Prime. Oh, dude. Somebody <laughs> somebody in my office was drinking that. What a douche. And I was like... There's a great... Um, uh, more Plates, More Dates did a good breakdown of like Logan Paul doing the Prime against Gatorade thing. Yeah, it's like... There's like no science behind it. It's almost like they took, um, you know, when you have the the measurements of everything that goes into a drink, it's like they almost just wanted to one up that. So they have like one extra gram of sodium. Yeah. Without it. Yeah. <laughs> of, I want to be very clear. Of course. But that's why he's got his place. That's what he mm-hmm. does. Yeah, it's crazy. And that. why not? She but, was selling out everywhere, too. Yes. It, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Logan Paul for president. I'm on board. Hey, you get the president you deserve. Maybe we're there. And also joining us is Logan Paul's chief of staff, Oksana Valerinova Osachi. I have an update on Prime. According to their website, they're sold out of everything. So why is this website up anymore? <laughs> Thank you for that breaking news. <laughs> it's like Mountain Valley and all their merch. It's all sold out. All right. So we, uh, as Brandy just stated, we got off the uh, Seltzer podcast, Seltzer cast. Uh, with our friend Sean Patrick O'Brien, who's been on this show. And we've been on his show several times. Always have a great time there. Well, um, as a part of March Madness, he has a bracket that he is doing. And we, and we were uh, we had the specific waters that we had to get. Now, on every show, he always reviews uh, at least one water, right? Yeah. And so this time we had to get two because we had to. There, it's a bracket, you understand? Head-to-head challenge. Well, due to some mix-ups, we didn't get the right ones. Not not only did we not get the, uh, we were only missing fifty percent of the field was present in this battle. 
in California, but in beloved Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> Randy not only did not get one water at all, he got the still water <laughs> instead of the sparkling water for the Hell seltzer yeah. podcast. I, I I have had the uh, the sparkling though; it's good. It's great, but you didn't have it today on the podcast for seltzer water. This is true. Yeah. I grabbed the wrong bottle. Uh, as you'll hear, if you listen to the episode, the bottles look basically the same except for a little uh, a red or blue stripe. And I uh, I just wasn't paying attention at the uh, local Publix last night. Well, Randy, you gravitate towards a red stripe because you love your Jamaican beer. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm drinking right now. Man, you know, again, we're recording on Easter, and I just want to say... It's a chance for rebirth for both of you, our production staff, who let down this show from coast to coast by the, providing- the talent. We did everything right. Yeah, we were we were juggling. We also, were- for the record, I do want to say that I spent thirty five dollars on the wrong water because I was told to get Canada Dry Seltzer. The only way to do that was through Amazon for an eighteen pack for thirty five dollars, which came in a busted up box with 18 loose cans inside of the box. So, Oksana, if you go into the kitchen and you see those, they're just placed randomly on the floor because I don't know what to do with them. So we we both have to carry a burden on this. I'll carry the financial burden. You carry the burden of where the hell we're going to put it in the kitchen. And there we go. We'll call it even. Oh. Thank you, Sean, for bringing so much joy and excitement into our lives. And no matter if you, if, and this is just a, um, this is what we do at the Overlook Hour. All right. We're going to do it our way. We're going to fuck shit up and we're just going to, you know, we're going to have a good time. Yeah. Good on Sean. I mean, he knows what he's getting into. I think this would be the fourth, fifth time we've appeared on that show. So he knew. I feel I'm next time we'll get it right. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't hold. I my think breath. we're over four, so <laughs> it's you know, <laughs> let's get on that board, baby. All right. Anything else up top? Mm. Yeah, I don't want to go into in depth because I see we got a lot on the docket today. But I did. Um, I was invited to a watch party of Evil Dead Two. I we're buddies. Um, we've talked about him briefly. The barely functional gamers, David. He's a Panda Dojo online. He's done a lot of art for us and the digital up stuff. He's a manager at the Alamo. And while we were at Up, he asked me in the middle of the fest if I wanted to host a watch party at Evil Dead 2. And I was like, yeah, why not? Fuck it. Like, I don't care. This is what, you know. And then later quietly retracted it as another manager stepped in and wanted to do it. So I think he had a little bit of a guilt. And was like, hey, well, you want to come? Like, uh, you can be my guest. So we went down there and I've never... We've never done the watch party experience. Have no. you gone to one? No. This doesn't seem like my thing. Yeah, it, it it's not. Yeah. Um, the idea is you get like popular culture and uh, you, you show a movie that everybody loves and then you let them go wild in an Alamo way, which is you can yell, you can quote, but don't talk. Don't take your phone out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, yeah. I get it and I appreciate it, but he came in, we went to the bar, he got us a fancy drink. I had no idea what was in it. I haven't been drinking. 
it hit me immediately. Why do you sound like a sorority girl right now? I, I didn't. Okay. He took us to the bar. He got us a fancy drink. I don't know what was in it. He was well-dressed. I felt underdressed for the occasion. The bar was dim. I got a bathroom seat. I was right next to the hidden bathroom. If you go to this Alamo, you should learn where that is. And, uh, dude, I instantly got worried I was going to embarrass him. I was like, oh, God, I feel fucking, you know, since you made the comparison, white girl wasted yeah. off of a drink. And I'm like, I know these two. Chris was there. I'm like, this isn't this is the beginning. Rose O'Day. And he was paying for everything. And I don't do well with that. A lot of the time me and Oksana will treat people, but I was like, you gotta let me buy something. So I bought two old Rasputins like an idiot. And then he didn't he didn't want one. He got another fancy drink, but he also got me and Chris another fancy drink too. So I ended up with an old Rasputin and another drink. Also, we got in there, and Clark, you'll appreciate this. Yeah. We're there with uh management. And we're in row two, uh, the seats that we love and are known for, but everybody else, normal people hate. Correct. And we're sitting there. We got there very early because, you know, other people like to do that. Hell so we yeah. saw the whole pre-show. Hell yeah. Pre-show's almost over and we haven't seen a waiter. Oh boy. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, I'm fucking hungry. You're loading me up on alcohol. and wait, haven't wait, eaten. Aren't you with the manager? Yep. So I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, and David is very polite. Yeah. He's very, like, he's such a kind dude. The The thing's about to end, and he goes, all right, this ain't right. And he got up and left. And I, man, I've, I've waited tables at, like, chain restaurants, and I've gotten regional managers coming in. That is the worst. Like, when you let them sit, they're going to, this girl, this little girl came up, took our orders, and this is the quickest the food has ever arrived at an Alamo. You know she put on the fly all over those tickets. They arrived immediately. But uh, I don't know. I, I was kind of cringing. I'm like, dude, some fucking management. I don't know. It was fun. The Alamo thing. Why I don't are you know. cringing? No. Hey, uh, when you sit in first class, <laughs> you enjoy first class. I know. But I felt weird because normally I'm the host and I was the guest. And I yeah. knew he was getting host anxiety like, hey, y'all fucking with my guest right now. And I'm like, please don't do that. I sympathize with the waiter. It was, I don't know. Sure, I was, but sure, but you can, in this situation, you can ride the fence. I know. You can play both sides. You I can couldn't. understand it. And I was feeling kind of drunk. I was being kind of rowdy. Yeah. It, Evil Dead 2. I was like, dude, what kind of crowd shows up energized for Evil Dead 2 in the Bay Area? I'm like, I didn't know there was a crowd for this. And I was right. The people that showed up, dude, I'll tell you, the, the manager came out and I don't know. We've we've introed movies before. And when you come into Evil Dead 2, this is the well-versed. People have watched this movie. Everybody's covered it. So it's like, what are you going to say? And I think I would open up with um, its relationship to the franchise because it's kind of weird. It feels like a remake, but it's also a sequel. And there's a great video where Bruce Campbell kind of, he just says it's the first requel ever. And, you know, you get into briefly how there was legal trouble and they didn't really own the first one. So they had to, like, kind of reestablish everything and then take it where they wanted it to go. In here, we kind of got like, hey, who likes Bruce Campbell? And, then you know, people cheer. And honestly, he might have been right because these motherfuckers had not seen Evil Dead 2. What would you say huh. roughly the head count? Oh, I don't know. Maybe 150. Whoa. It was late, though. We're talking. What was this? It was like a Monday night. At like 1030. At 10. And I was they, expecting like 45 people. Well, the thing is, they also showed it both days in the weekend prior. So they showed it Saturday, Sunday, and then we were on a Monday. What the hell? I, very weird. But uh, if you came to this event, you paid a little bit more money, but you got a 
a plushy chainsaw. Not a plushy, a fucking, what do they call the fingers that you get at a sporting foam. event? The finger! Foam. A foam finger, but it's a chainsaw. It said groovy on it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, you got a little notebook that looked like a Necronomicon. Oh, that's cute. Um, and you got an eyeball candy. Adorable. Of which I ate all of them. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was very hungry, and our waiter left us fucking hangry. So. I love how you're so hungry, and you're just binge eating <laughs> candy eyeballs. Well, nobody wanted them. Because they looked it. disgusting in not like a movie way, but in like a, oh, that's a little ball of chemicals. Uh, give me a quick uh, 15 second review of the candy eyeballs. Uh, I don't remember. I was okay. too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. They were something I could chew on. Five stars. Though. I will tell you this. They brought back the churro popcorn. Okay. Uh, so there was an issue back in the day. I remember. Do you remember the waitress's name? I couldn't remember. Her I prefer the, the, does they still do the kimchi popcorn? No. And they don't do the uh, sriracha flake popcorn anymore. Either. I don't think the churro one ever left. Well, the churro one changed. Mm-hmm. They used to just do straight up like cinnamon and sugar. And I remember we had a waiter who was like, hey, just add extra. She's like, believe me. And yeah. it does. It tastes like fucking candy. But you don't need that. Yeah, we got the truffle. I don't care for that. Uh, the truffle's okay. I'm over the truffle. Um, I am over it, too. I'll take it back. The truffle is great. I don't order it anymore. But now the fucking churro popcorn comes with little like balls. They're almost like little cubes of churro flavor. Okay. That are just mixed in. So what happens is you're sharing. And if you're like me, I'm now, just scoping out the churro cube. The ch- okay. Again, your description. <laughs> what, do you, what is the cube made of, do you think? I'd probably cinnamon and sugar, but it's just like something measurable. So you're not just dumping. Do you think it's bits of churro? I don't. I don't. I think it was just um, like seasoning in little and sugar. Yeah. You think it's just chunks sugar of and, sugar? Yeah, and cinnamon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not no bueno. Okay. I wouldn't do it again. Oh, I did order the monster burger. Was the monster burger? I don't remember, okay. but it had a lot of toppings <laughs> uh-huh. and it, it, bro- it came up as a dare. It comes with uh, waffle fries on it. What's and, the dare? Uh, it was just like, oh, you want to be a fat ass? Get the monster burger. Oh. I said, oh, you're going to dare me, dude? I'm fucking hungry. The menu dared you? It was the menu dare. <laughs> uh, no, the fucking manager did. Oh. So I ordered it. It was fucking good. I, I, actually, for a monster burger, it was pretty uh, reasonably proportioned. I ate that. Then he said, oh, you really want to be a fat ass? Get the big cookie milkshake. Oh, my God. You know what the big cookie milkshake oh, is? Oh, no. I said, no, I'm not scared of a fucking milkshake. When I used to go to the gym 15 and a half hours a week, I had a uh, strict little clause written into my dietary contract that I could drink milkshakes wherever the fuck I wanted. Oh, boy. So I'm like, challenge me with the milkshake. But it's the big cookie that's going to get you. It's the big cookie. And uh, so it's a, I I believe it's a cookie and cream milkshake with caramel, um, salted caramel in it. And then garnished with a uh, sugar cookie. CML. And a churro. I like a sugar. And three donut holes. Jesus. And uh, that thing showed up and I was, I felt like a child and I was like, holy God, I'm really, I am a glutton. They just presented you a quesadilla in a glass. And then I ate the burger. Fantastic. I'm like, it's dessert time. How many calories in milkshake? 3K? Oh, at least 2,500. Yes. At least 2,500. So you know what I did? I bet that burger's running you (laughs) 19. Dude, for sure. (laughs) I really made up that de- uh, that deficit I was running that day. Um, dude, so I tried a donut hole because you couldn't get to the drink. All the garnish is on top and it's just blocking it. Popped a donut hole in my mouth. 
straight a ball of dust. It was foul. I was like, oh, was this like frozen oh, so and they reheated? Dude, it was there was no flavor. Uh, it didn't taste like and yeah. but I'm like, I'm a guest. So I, I choked that ball down. <laughs> and then I looked around and uh Chris was he was just eating it. So I'm like, okay, he ate all three of them. So I'm like, you know what? That sugar cookie looks fucking fantastic. See, man, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, I applaud you guys for doing that in no universe. No, you wouldn't have done it. Hell no. Yeah. Um, Hell no. Sugar cookie? It looked beautiful. Do you like a sugar cookie? Not really. I know it's you don't. A, it's, a, it's a texture thing kind of with me. I like how it looks like cracked earth. Like there's those grooves. I love like- I love a shortbread cookie, but I okay. it's it, the the sugar cookie. Uh, unless there's copious amounts of icing, that's no. the only way you're gonna lure me in. It was sparkling. It looked good in the dim light with yeah. the projector hitting it. Just they they always they they're too pale. So I grabbed it. Again, this cookie was so big that it didn't fit in the glass, and it was just kind of like wedged on there. Yeah, I grabbed it. So excited to take a bite of that soft sugar cookie. The loudest crunch. Damn. I thought my jaw broke. Damn. It was foul. Damn. I'm like, why did they fuck this up? <laughs> so then. Can you put it. Did you, can you just put it in the ice cream and get it all soft? I tried. Way? It didn't work. That's. It a- hurt the flavor of the milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> so then I tried to soften it up, but it wasn't happening. Damn gravel cookies. So I did what any good guest would do. And I ate the whole thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, then, then I had unbelievable. (laughs) I had the sublime choice. I'm like, finally, the veggies are done. It's time for dessert. I'm like, do I use the straw and shout out for using a plastic straw? Thank you for not wasting my time with that paper shit. Or do I use the churro as a straw? And I'm like, I feel like I could. No, dude, this is. <laughs> so what I did. I was not prepared for the story today. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't either. This is I, great. I uh, I also may have taken an edible before. I was this like, is... this, you know, this is GNO. I'm having a party. Man. And I was lost. I was feeling buzzed. I was high. And there was a fucking whole dessert in front of me. I drank half that milkshake. It was great. Through the churro straw? No, I didn't okay. do that. I, so I, the milkshake was good. Yeah, the milkshake what, was what's the, okay. What's the flavor of the milkshake again? It mostly tasted like that salted caramel. Okay. And that, that was pretty much. Okay. Um, so I get halfway through and I'm like, time for my favorite. I love a fucking churro. If you've ever heard me talk about going to Mexico, I had a, again, I had a strict contract, not eating anything, not drinking the water. I know better. Sure. Then I saw a churro vendor. Oh and I had the most explosive uh, <laughs> from a churro. My body decided to go through an exorcism through two different holes at the same time at a diner where I think we were being menaced with the pipe. It was a it was a very fun trip. Uh, I chugged a bottle of Pepto to undo that churro, but I still didn't regret a it. Churro jacked you it up. Fucked me, dude. It fucked. I was scared that I wasn't going to make it to Comic Con. Did you touch the churro with your hands? What does that have to do with anything? Because maybe it was something on your hands. Do not blame my hands. <laughs> it, was, it was the churro vendor. That dude knew what he was doing. He was smiling. And also, stop eating churros with your butthole, dude. <laughs> so this time at the Alamo, I'm like, that churro looks beautiful. Again, everything looked beautiful. I picked it up and it felt great, too. I took the end that had been soaking in the milkshake. You started with that in. Yep. Okay. I put it deep Good. in the back of my mouth. I was, <laughs> was going to get a molar bite. 
I was biting with my back teeth. That that's a terrible decision. Firm grip, whole four fingers and a thumb holding this thing, and I because I was a little like this thing might be a little chewy. Deep throating chew. Bit it down, da- bit down, couldn't get through it. I could not bite through the fucking churro. And so I, I bit it. And I went, oh, God, I couldn't rip it apart. I took it out of my mouth. I looked next to me because I knew Chris has been on this journey with me. And he was staring at me, laughing. And I said, did you try and bite this thing? He went, yep. I said, you didn't warn me? He said, nope. I said, where's your churro? Because it wasn't in his thing. I'm like, you ate it? He went, nope. And he pointed to his fries. He had a pile of fries and this long, flaccid churro on top. I laughed for 15 minutes straight oh, in that boy. theater. Which, by the way, it was a it was a watch party. So, you know, have fun. Apparently, I was the only one having fun. I was dying and I was melting in my seat. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm ruining. David's going to get fired tonight. But it, so, you know what I did? I took the churro and I put it on uh, one of the East Bay cinematographer's leg who was wearing shorts. That's how much I had to drink. Thank you again, David, for inviting me. I hope we can do it again. <laughs> and this is why you're not invited in the first class plural. This is why Oksana has to take me out. She wasn't there. I was like, I felt like a kid. <laughs> Mom was is, at home. As a reminder, Oksana, the father of your child. Mm-hmm. Also, you know. Who I was at home with. Yep. And you know what? The movie, she she opted out. She was like, no, no, you go have fun. I did. Um, have, Go have fun with your stale churros and horrible inedible sugar cookies and again the movie experience looked beautiful fantastic film but when me and chris are the only people who quote along with the quote along that's embarrassing nobody even said fucking groovy when he put the chainsaw i'm like oh nobody's seen this movie and there's one part that you just have to say even if you're alone watching the movie and that's when um ash is being uh heckled by a uh what the hell are they called I can't even remember what they're called. A deadite in the cellar. And she's like, I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow you. And he's like, you know, swallow this. Yeah. Me and Chris are the only people I looked at him and said, oh, my God, what a bleak day in the Alamo. But I get a lot of people discovered Evil Dead 2 for the first time. Yeah. Okay. Totally did not mean to go on that rant. I forgot about the milkshake thing, though, and I had to tell you. That was the best part of your story. Yeah, dude. It was terrible. And the donut holes don't look that great on the picture. Oh, there's a picture. Can you can you show Clark? Um, that's what it looked like. It came out, it looked picturesque, but holy fuck. Uh no bueno. Are we calling those donut holes? Yeah, they're like un unsugared, just like bread. I don't know. They tasted like dust. they look like hush puppies. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Yeah, you're right. They do. They look like hush puppies. <laughs> it's like you know what? They tasted like hush puppies. What the <laughs> fuck? It was fried bread. Can you get the description, please? Can you it find says three donut holes? Okay. What right. What does the entire description say? A little over the top, but gosh darn it, it's good. Vanilla ice cream blended with caramel and kosher salt, then topped with whipped cream, garnished with a cinnamon churro, cinnamon sugar churro, three donut holes, and a big freaking snickerdoodle cookie. Perfect snickerdoodle. Okay. Yeah. That's a. Thank you. Snickerdoodle. I'm in. Love okay. a snickerdoodle. Same. Well, then you would have been I would have been. I would have been angry because I probably would have gotten this. It was inspired by Bridesmaids. What? I, I would not have gotten this. Um, can you look up the Monster Burger, too? I didn't even think of looking up the menu. Now, I think there's... Did that come with waffle fries? Is that correct? It came with waffle fries on the burger. Yes. And, like, queso and, like, green chilies and shit like probably. that. Probably. It was pretty... Honestly, it was pretty good. Yeah, I've I've almost gotten that, but it's a, it's like a... You know, we're looking at a twenty-two dollar burger or some shit. 
Mm-hmm. You know, inflation, Randy. And with that fucking milkshake. God, it was probably like a fucking... Bringing all the boys to the yard. Okay. Uh, Monster Burger Classic Burger collides with loaded waffle fries, bacon, and queso. Only available for a limited time. Coming into Godzilla vs. Kong with a supersized appetite? That's their advertisement. Go, go, Godzilla. Hey, uh, thumbs up to that. Thumbs down to that milkshake. Damn. Yeah, again. Sorry, I did not mean to take that. Now, Randy... Yes, sir. Who's whose side of the table do you fall on? Do you fall on Russell's side where, you know, and we'll, we'll say the same scenario where you are a guest and I understand that uh-huh. part of it. Oh, yeah. Where you'd eat the whole thing even though it's not good. Or would you do what I do and would not fucking touch <laughs> it because it's disgusting? I, I would not continue to eat it. I, I would probably, you know, take the first bite to see if it's good. And if it's not, I probably wouldn't care about making a, a good impression. Yeah, because I feel like I can circumnavigate that situation and yeah. I don't have to eat something I don't want to eat. Yeah. Well, you, you could just be like, oh, I'm full. Yeah, just, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's You could easily, you know, meander that and not take in the 4,000 calories Dude, of that milkshake. Did they have a calorie count on there? No, I was looking for one for that um, milkshake. I mean, look at it. I mean... You didn't get any calories from the donut holes. You didn't get any calories from the churros. Uh, milkshake, I mean, the caramel, that's a lot of sugar. You're probably looking at at least 60 grams of sugar. There was a lot. Just not in the donut holes. Yeah. Because they were hush puppies. You're correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Uh, anyway, today we are recording. It is April 9th. It's Easter. Welcome back, Lord. Uh, it's 2.45 p.m. He's risen. Yeah, I, we should um get some new decorations to really reflect the true spirit of the holiday. Like that, do you remember that anthology, Holidays? Yes. Yeah, and they had that good Easter one where yeah, Jesus never looked like it, a rabbit. Okay, it yeah. was good. And they had an inappropriate um, St. Patrick's Day one as it was about snakes and St. Patrick turning them away. Which is not where that holiday comes from. I actually believe it was a political choice to get a New York uh, minority to the polls. Hey, I'm yeah. pulling over <laughs> here. They're like, hey, you want a holiday? You want to fucking drink and fight? Uh, are there a lot of Easter horror movies? No. I didn't think so. Uh, you get a lot of like... Outside of Passion of the Christ. Um, you get a lot of bunny movies. You get Bunny the Killer Thing. Bad uh, Bunny. Shout out to Uncle Frank, who did the cover for Raven's Banner, which Bunny the Killer Thing, the thing is his dong. Oh, he has a giant dick. Congratulations. Uh, I think you might like that movie. Uh, probably. What is this we're talking it's about? It's Finnish. It's about a bunny. Who, you know I like the fence. I know. Honestly, now it's really clicking for me. You should have watched that movie. What's this movie called? It's called Bunny the Killer Thing. And Illin did a cover for it. And, uh, it's it's fucking fantastic. It's through Raven's Banner. Honestly, we should order that. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have it. Yeah, Bunny the Killer Thing. God, I'm surprised they got that title correct. I I think we watched it as part of the Alamo um Fantastic Fest, you know when they would show like random movies at random times. Yeah. We saw it in like Theater 5 at like 11 p.m. one night or something. Mm-hmm. A group of Finnish and British people get stuck at a cabin when they are attacked by a creature that is half human, half rabbit. Yep. I'm in. He's got a huge dick. 
right. <laughs> Look at the cover. Illin did some interesting stuff. I believe um, Raven's Banner put out a double, and they did the thing if you're a uh, physical media collector that y- you have to do it. Don't do the fucking vertical split where you just have the posters on each side. Get a dude like Uncle Frank and do a new cover, and he mashed up the two. I, the other one was like a shark movie, right? Yeah. Um, Sky Sharks. Sky sharks. There's a sky shark floating in the sky. All right. Anything else? No. I um. I'm gonna pull it up for you to see it though. I, I have a correction too. Here we Uh-oh. go. Those were pieces of fried churro in the churro popcorn. Oh, they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it tastes like it's just um. Like cubes of brown sugar yeah, only. It looks like also bullshit. What are you, a horse bullshit on that picture. <laughs> that looks like a fucking <laughs> uh, fun evening with some popcorn and sugar. It does not look like that. They were all being stingy with our shit. What does yours look like? You want to get me to complain when I'm a guest? That's how you do it. Skimp me on the fucking churro. Okay. It did not look like that. And I, like I said, I, it became a thing where I'm like watching the churro bucket out of, of one corner of my eye and I'm going for the churros because there was not enough. You had to fight for your life. Right? So are you saying they have consistency issues at the Alamo New Mission Theater in San Francisco, California? Yeah. You know what? I'm going to get uh, Jake on the line. I'm going to talk to him about this immediately. Oh, that's a nice uh, cover for Sky Sharks. And Oh, it's a drive-in bunny. double feature. And notice the third leg on that bunny. Oh, wait a minute. We talked to him about this. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a dong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember. I, I've seen this cover before. What better way to celebrate Easter? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, oh, there's a, uh, can we technically count um, one of our favorite Halloween movies, Satan's Little Helper. At the end, he appears oh, as Jesus. That's the sequel we never got. That's right. Oh damn! That would be I would be in for it, dude. Well, when we get Lieberman on the show, and Lieberman's not hard. We should try and reach out to him. I wonder if he would be instantly annoyed with us. How do you know Lieberman's not hard? This week brought to you by Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did what? Did I kill the show? <laughs> no. uh, anything no. else? No, no. It's your turn. You take over now, Randy Michael. That's me. How's every how's the week been in Atlanta, Georgia? How's the weather been, sir? Uh, it's been good, mostly nice. Uh, it rained pretty much all day yesterday and was like in the forties, but uh, Ooh. sun's back out today and uh, we're we're chilling. Sun's out, fun's out. What That's right. uh, what you got for this week, Beth? <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched a uh, couple things. First one is a uh, a film called I'm going to try to pronounce it how they pronounced it in an interview that I listened to. Ennis Main, spelled oh, E N Y S space M E N, which is apparently Cornish for Stone Island. Uh, it's a 2022 movie that is kind of like a uh, folk horror, uh, sort of like experimental. It kind of like feels like it should be playing in like a uh, an art exhibit, sort of. Um, but basically, the plot is this uh, woman who uh, just a Character doesn't have a name. She's just this um, volunteer uh, on this Cornish island uh, in 1973. Randy, uh, Randy, uh, real, real quick for you, for uh-huh. you, you said Cornish. I keep thinking about one of my favorite uh, birds, the Cornish hen. 
Sure. Are you Isn't a fan Joe of the- Cornish a thing too? Or a, per- or a person? I've heard of Joe, Co- Joe Cornish, but there's no Joe Cornish hen. Have you ever had a Cornish hen? No. Oh, it's no. it's all it's a it's a little it's like if you go to a place and they serve you like an entire little bird, mm-hmm. that's a Cornish hen. Yeah. Is it from Bakersfield? <laughs> I don't understand the reference. <laughs> I do. Isn't that where corn's from? <laughs> they are. Oh, the spelling <laughs> joke. God, right there. I've been I to the street. It. I've been to the street Corn Row in Bakersfield, California, and took a picture in front of it once. Oh shit! It's pretty tight <laughs> with corn rows. Randy, you did yeah. have corn rows. You remember those days? At one point, yeah. yeah, they were fun. It's funny. I was always wondering what language Jonathan Davis was speaking. Now I know it's Cornish. <laughs> Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, you got an impersonation for me? No. Come on. You know, I can see you want to do it. No, I'm not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, Randy. Tripped over his dick. <laughs> I was going to go ratabutata, right? I can only do. Dude, I don't. I don't. I can tell you right now. I don't know if I've ever listened to an entire corn song. Oh, my God. My name. I know what we're doing for Easter. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say so basically this, uh, this lady, she's a, uh, a wildlife volunteer who is oh. like observing this, uh, like rare flower apparently that is like growing on this Island. And every day is it she a drug, uh, you know, nothing's really explained too much in the movie. Um, okay. but basically she is going to, so, like I said, it's like a very rocky, like Island. It actually looks, very beautiful. The movie is shot on 16 millimeter. Um, and the colors are very like bright, sort of like saturated pastel-y. Uh, cinematography is great. But yeah, essentially she is on this island and she goes every day, kind of has this routine where she goes to this part of the island and she observes these flowers and see if anything changes. And then she essentially goes back to her little cottage or whatever and goes into her journal and says... This date, uh, no observations or like nothing changed. And she does that pretty much every day until something changes. And uh, basically, some point in the movie, things start to get a little weird and kind of trippy and you're not sure what is actually happening uh, in real life or what is imagined or what is just kind of like a dream or kind of trippy. Like I said, there's a lot of like really cool visuals. Uh, They also, also shot it on like I said, 16 millimeter on a camera that didn't have uh, sync sound. So basically all the sounds are, you know, put in in post. Um, and there's a lot of like pretty cool sound design. Um, but basically the movie, like the plot of the movie, there's not much there. And I was like watching some interviews with him because I really liked the look of this movie, but I kind of didn't really feel anything watching it. Like it's a, uh, the trailer kind of says like, you know, it's a very, like, scary, like, full horror movie. And there's, like, all these, like, pull quotes from, like, reviews of people saying, like, how terrifying it is. And I didn't really, like, feel anything was that terrifying. Like, you see some kind of, like, creepy images and you're, like, not sure what's happening. But I don't know. I think maybe because of, like, the way that they shot it and how, like, all these sounds are kind of, like, put in, uh, you know, in post and, like, sort of, uh, you know, they're having to, like, shoot, like, pretty 
quick shots and like cut a lot because they shot it on like film and like they didn't have that much like you know the camera can't go that long and I think it didn't have much naturalism or verisimilitude for me to kind of like actually know like what the character is doing or like what is actually happening on the island so I just kind of uh like I said it's really cool like visual sort of experiment but um yeah I don't know some people might dig it I don't know maybe if you're a uh a, a drug person, maybe take an edible or something and then like, you know, chill and just, uh, yeah, have the sound design and like the cool images, uh, kind of take over. But yeah, I don't know. It's a, this is a, uh, solid three, which I liked it a lot more. Like I said, I watched some interviews, uh, with the director, Mark Jenkin. And honestly, I was watching the interview and I'm like, all right, this kind of makes sense why I didn't really like it. He basically said like they had like, um, <coughs> the script was very loose and he kind of let the actor kind of like, you know, take on like the part and not really like give them too much direction uh, and stuff like that. And it sounds like they shot it pretty quick and it was like a uh, uh, movie that was shot during COVID. And I guess they had to sort of like um, reduce the crew quite a bit too. And I was like, yeah, this might work for some people, but I don't know. It kind of uh, fell a little flat. Now, Randy, this sounds like uh, it's, this is an outdoor production of Skinnamarink. Sort of, yeah. It definitely, like, you know, looks a lot better than Skinnamarink. Uh, you know, Skinnamarink is very digital and they very, like, they push the digital so much that it's, like, so grainy that you're, like, maybe there's a person there or maybe it's just this, like, digital grain and all that. So, um, but, yeah, I guess sort of in, like, tone and vibe, it's kind of similar. Let me tell you something, Randy. Digital grain doesn't feed the masses. <laughs> Real sure, grain yeah. does. America. Now, okay, Skinnamarink is an interesting comparison because I think... Um, I'm an interesting guy. You're welcome. I think four out of five people are still lying about liking Skinnamarink, <laughs> although I am truly... Is that the tagline for the movie? I am... <laughs> four out of five people don't know what they saw. Yeah. It's like, That's they had a shirt at Hot Topic, so I bought it, but I hated the movie. Don't watch it with me. And the thing is, Skinnamarink, I do feel, is a uh, lesson in punishment, and it clocks in at an hour 40. Now... If we're going to play around with the the medium that is film, the collaborative storytelling device, why do you think they stuck to an hour 30 minute runtime? I'm so like if you're looking for plot or direction, you can always kind of like boil down whatever we have. And I feel like maybe there might be a three act structure in here. Did you get any of that or like? Not really. No. Yeah, I don't know. I I know we're all big advocates for make the movie as long as you need it to be. So, yeah. I mean, why not make a movie like this? I don't know. Until you made it too long. Yeah. Or, you know, even like 50 minutes, like under an hour, like, fuck it, play around in the time. But again, what's I don't, the runtime on this one? Hour 31. Which yeah. makes me feel like they made a choice to be a 90 minute. Yeah. Like plus one minute. Yeah. That one, <laughs> that one important minute. So I don't know. I it has to be a distribution thing. Like maybe theaters wouldn't pick it up or something. But it looks yeah, like it's only playing at like independent. Yeah, Rain. I saw it. Uh, actually, it had one night at the AMC here. Well, at least one that I saw, and I didn't see it at the AMC. I saw it at the Plaza, um, mm. and I saw it on the. So there's three screens at the Plaza. I saw it on the biggest screen, the main theater, um, which you know for the visuals and the sound was it's really cool. I'm glad they played it um, in that theater. So I saw this trailer 
and it was for something we all saw together. Maybe Megan or something. It was a while ago. Maybe, yeah. And, uh, Randy, what caught me, obviously, was uh, it looks beautiful. So yeah. it's like the eye candy is what caught me. It's like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, I get the, you know, indie folk feel. I, I'm, I can be down for that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the lack of plot. Uh, this and that I've, 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 I've heard very similar things to you. I don't know. I just feel like in a theater atmosphere, this is the best way to, to take in this movie. Yep. Totally. Um, a 24. No, no, no. This I is, think it's a BFI or film four. Yeah. Right. This is, this is real deal shit, man. This yeah. ain't no fucking, this ain't no, let's throw in, you know, Brie Larson. Let's get an animal mascot. Uh, is Brie Larson even a uh, room? She was there. You go. <laughs> well, the thing is, A twenty four. They know what they can make money off of. Like they're the the Trojan horse of art house because they firmly have their foot in the marketing department too. And but this, just looking at the images, it looks like it should be A twenty four. But and now they've got Oscars. I know. What the lots fuck? of Oscars. <laughs> yeah, I don't. God, and even online, it's it's um, marked as a horror, psychological horror film. How horror yeah. is it, Randy? I mean, like, the imagery is kind of horror, uh, for sure, but... Or is it just Ibble? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it would be, yeah, I think psychological slash horror is a good uh, description for it. I just, I don't know. It just didn't really, like, click for me. Damn. Again, I feel like we're kind of piling on this, but honestly, now that we've talked about it, I kind of want to watch it. Where I have it was no playing interest at the Roxy. Before. I don't know if it still is. Yeah, that's what it's showing on here. Big or little? I didn't dig that far. I just saw that they were playing it. <laughs> well, we'll never if know. If I lived there still, maybe I would know. All right, Randy Michael, what else? Yeah, so something uh, kind of completely different. I watched a movie called Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game. Holy shit. Which is uh, essentially the story of this man named Roger Sharp, who was a uh, Midwesterner. Uh, I guess he was like in his mid-20s or something around this time. But essentially, uh, he overturned uh, a ban in New York City that was um, present for about 35 years that banned pinball machines because um, people argued that it was like gambling and that it was a game of luck and not a game of skill. Um, so essentially this movie kind of reminded me at first of, um, sort of like the way that Paul T. Goldman, uh, sort of like tells a story with like, you know, the guy they're interviewing the real, uh, guy who, uh, what's his name? Roger Sharp. They're interviewing him in the beginning. And so you're kind of seeing that he is sort of like telling the story, but then it goes into like a very pretty polished, like narrative, uh, movie where someone is playing the younger version of him. Um, but you can he'll pop into scenes like every once in a while and like talk to the camera or just like be there. Um, and sometimes the film will go off into like tangents, like early in the movie where I kind of actually got a little frustrated. Then the movie addresses it is where so essentially the young kid, he's like 25 or whatever. He meets this girl, uh, who's like 32 or something. And then it kind of like goes off into their like relationship, but it's like pretty early on in the movie. I was like, shouldn't they be like, sort of addressing like the history of like pinball first. And then like, right when I started to get frustrated about it, um, 
they cut to like the documentary esque part where they're like interviewing him. And then the guy who's behind the camera interviewing him is, is like, let's stay a little focused and like, kind of like talk about like the story before we get into like, sort of like the romantic uh, aspect of your, your story and whatnot. I, I love the idea of you going, some of those fucking love. I want to know about the history of pinball. Yeah. Just like, why do they ban it? You know, like they kind of get into that, <laughs> but like, it's not, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where like uh, a movie will probably Clark will probably talk about later. Like, I feel like does a very good job, but sometimes when I was watching this movie, I was like, I feel like I could have just watched a full documentary or read, read the Wikipedia page uh, for pinball and sort of like the history. And yeah. I know it was a plot point in licorice pizza as well. Oh God. Um, licorice pizza. Did the who yeah. pop up? <laughs> <laughs> so I knew a little bit about it, but you know, I didn't know a whole lot, but uh, essentially, yeah, like I said, there is definitely a uh, romantic element uh, of the movie, but it does get, a little bit more into sort of like the history and kind of like how obsessed he was with pinball um, and how he essentially like went into a, uh, a court or whatever uh, and essentially had to argue about how pinball was a game of skill. And he makes like, you know, kind of a cliche observations about sort of like comparing how you can control things in pinball um, and how like, Essentially, like, you know, you could hold the little, like, the, the thing to, like, hold the ball in place. Oh, he's, like, essentially, terms, which, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Essentially, he's, the like, flipper? what you want to do is, like, you can control it, but what you want to do is, like, take chances. And he's, like, talking about how, like, you want to take chances in life and whatever. But essentially, he uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. eventually overturns the, uh, the band, convinces them that it is, he's very, like, a good pinball player and, like, really knows how to, like, work the game. Um, so he eventually convinces them that like, Hey, this is actually a game of skill and kids aren't gambling on it. You know, it's not like something else we should ban. And also it's just like, well, we have all these other things that we do that like people gamble on and those aren't, you know, banned. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. This is another yeah. like solid, just like three, like it's pretty goes down smooth, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's worth a watch. Do we have a Billy Mitchell sized villain? Uh no, not really. Well, this movie sucks. <laughs> so we need we need Billy Mitchell, dude. No, we don't. Yeah, yeah, we do. He's still out there suing people. Yes, like yeah, he's a fucking idiot. Exactly. We need heels in life. <laughs> that, that is true. We do. It's an ecosystem. Everything yeah. is an ecosystem. That's what. That, 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 listen to Uncle Clark here for a second. Everybody's talking about you know they don't like this, they don't like that. It's necessary. Everything has an ecosystem, Randy. We need the parasites uh-huh. so parasites can do their things. Film. Exactly. Okay. Overrated. It's pretty good. It's a skin marine. It had virtue. It had vice. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, anything else, friend? No, sir. That's it. All right. Here's here's what's gonna happen. Before I talk about the movies that I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna talk about the movies that I'm not gonna talk about because I watched <laughs> a lot of movies. I try every week. I, I'm trying to bring a horror movie because I get peer pressured every week. Passive aggressively peer pressured. Russell, he, every day when I wake up, there's a note taped to my door saying, you should talk about more horror movies. Or else. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. And, and there's blood too. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, it's sweet. So I do think it's ketchup based. So hopefully there's no actual blood. Add some to that milkshake I had. <laughs> Dude, a banana ketchup milkshake? 
No. Dude. That's a thing? No, okay. but it could be. I don't, I don't like mixing I, ketchup with anything other than the French. I don't know. I think you could make that work. Uh, I watched An American Werewolf in Paris. Cool. It stinks. Mm-hmm. It stinks. It stinks. <laughs> but you do get eight tits, dude. It, it's all CG bullshit. Um, I think they were coming off the hype of Blade because there's that rave scene. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. There's 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 just there's not a whole lot to pull from. Mm-mm. Uh what's his name? Is, I mentioned the two things I remember. The rave yeah. scene and the boobs. <laughs> I don't even remember the boobs. Well, she turns into a werewolf. You're yeah. probably on your phone. Do you remember that? I remember that, but it's just oh yeah. that looks it looked dumb. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. CGI's, Randy. Glowing, <laughs> glowing CGI's. Uh, also, yeah. I, I do want to mention one thing. Um, I'll tell you, I got scared of this because they climbed to the top of the Eiffel Tower, and I don't like heights. So th- there are some cool shots of the inner the innards of the Eiffel Tower. That's oh, kind of cool. cool. Um, in in American Werewolf in Paris, yeah. Oh, weird. Okay, yeah. You should watch Fall. And they climb. Oh God, I don't know if I can. Go Dude, you should watch Zazzy Dan's Lamentro. Okay, shut the fuck up, Randy. Don't sneeze you're and not, then pretend d- you said some they words. They got a good Eiffel Tower scene there. No, you're sneaking in Criterion picks, and I don't like it. I do own that <laughs> movie, though, if you want to watch it. What, Zazzy Beats or whatever you just you said? You would be very bored. Okay. It, it is very, like, little kid logic, but you would, yeah. You know I love me some little kid logic. Yeah, you'd be like, <laughs> I'm into this. And then five minutes in, you would be in another room, and you'd never return. <laughs> that does fair. What were we talking about? American, you're talking about the movies you're not talking about. Yes, the Eiffel Tower. Back to the movies you're not talking about. Because they were going to... I didn't... Were you going to... No, no. Were they going to... They bungee jumped, but they only had ropes. I don't know what they were doing, but whatever there was... Long story short, the main guy jumps off the top of the Eiffel Tower with a rope, but then he bounces back halfway through the entire height of the Eiffel Tower. It's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. All right. Movie stinks. Could you think of another movie that you didn't want to talk about? No. I don't think I saw... <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Anything. You just opened this up with, I watched a lot of movies. I did watch a lot of movies. One of those movies is a movie called Tetris. Okay. Hell yeah. This is on Apple TV. Guys, it's... It's fine. Here's the thing. I also saw a movie called Air, and I'm going to pair these two together, kind of. Because this is, uh, I think that the interesting stories are being told uh, involving relatively ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. And I think that Air and Tetris, more so Tetris, but in certain regards, certainly... um, Air is certainly, they both mirror each other in that way, um, where it's ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances. Ooh, so we got some Winklevoss so in air. In air. <laughs> yeah. What extraordinary people in, wait, regular people in extraordinary situations. Yes. Yeah. So instantly I thought of the social network with like the Winklevoss. The Winklevoss? The Winklevi. Winklevi twins. Yeah. Well, they're the Winklevoss twins, but together they are the Winklevi. <laughs> Oh, I understand. They're like yeah. Transformers. Yeah. Um, so who are our cool characters in here? So the 
main story is centered around Hink Rogers, H E N K. But it's Hank. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, He is a he is a he is a uh, video game maker. All right, programmer the whole deal. But he's also, you know, a salesman. So he is at some video game conference, and of course, someone's playing Tetris. And then he and then it changes his life forever seeing Tetris because he saw them play Tetris for five minutes and he hasn't stopped thinking about it since. He thinks about those blocks in his dreams and has overtaken his daily life. Is that real? Yeah, basically. That's what the movie is. Do they show that with like a visual montage? Well, it's like boop. here's the thing. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of eight bit uh bullshit. Yeah. Oh, I like that. 8-bit bullshit. Eight, eight, there's a lot of 8-bit bullshit. Fuck yeah. Of just like, you know, little 8-bit block walk into a big office building. I'm going to sell Nintendo today. Yeah, a lot of that shit, especially at the beginning. But I'll, I'll say this, man, the movie moves. It knows what it is. It knows what it's doing. And we're going all over the world. And we're following, basically, the whole purpose of the drama in this is... No one really knew who had the rights for Tetris because Russia did, and Russia is doing Russia things. Um, and it also centered around, you know, right before the fall. So it's like everything's ha- the fall of the USSR. So everything's happening, and like it's just, um, it's very interesting on that side of things. Um, as far as the movie goes, I mean, it's holding your hand the entire time. Biopic? Ish, yeah, okay. and yeah. then uh, it also brings in the guy who invented Tetris, but you know he's living in communist Russia, and he cannot receive any of the profits for that. He can't get any recognition for the game he created because he is he's a he's a communist, and he kind of plays Damn. into that, and then it turns into uh, the Great Escape. Getting out of Russia in time really? while the agents are beating on the doors and really? and then they're going through alleys. Oh yeah, they it goes full Argo. Are you sure you didn't see the Burt Kreischer movie? Dude, it goes <laughs> it goes full Argo. Holy shit! And like that shit's annoying, but it's a movie. What are you gonna do? Um, man, it's it's an easy watch, easy breezy watch. The guy who made Tetris seemed very polite. Again, uh, shout out to Terrell for forcing Oksana to take a picture with him. Which, again, Oksana, now's your chance. You can mention that you're a Tetris connoisseur. Uh, a Tetris champion, you oh, mean? shit. Yeah. Where's the trophy? <laughs> um, I have a photo on my phone. From- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, and it's funny. Um, David, the dude that brought me out to the Alamo, he does a lot of game design. And we uh, recently I've been clearing out a lot of my shit. I collect too much shit. And I've just been giving him all of my old game stuff. Like, I had Sega CD games in there, a lot of NES. And we were talking about how early game development was just the Wild West. Like, people didn't know how to design a good game. And that definitely went all the way up into, like, Sega. Like, where you're playing, like, Kid Chameleon. And you're like, how the fuck are you supposed to beat this? And Tetris, it's good game design. It's why Very they good. keep making the fucking game over and over and over. So I feel like that dude does a, he deserves his flowers. That game has stood the test of time. For sure. And yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying is, you know, when you see these movies come out, um, you're like, man, just more commercial bullshit. But again, there are solid stories that should be told here. Um, and if we have to package these, you know, and, and 
you know, giant uh, commercial uh, stuffing. All right. You know, um, what great timing for it, too. With all the Russia shit going on, it seems kind of like a poignant, like, let's take a step back and look at the world how it used to. But when we went, why the fuck were we at the Alamo? Was it for Cloverfield? They were, it was the Tetris thing. And um, up front, they had a meet and greet booth for all the people coming in because I think it was a lot of startup companies. They had a couple of shirts in there. Nobody was around. I reached in, I grabbed them. I'm like, this is a cool shirt. And I was like, you know, my lovely Oksana loves Tetris. Should I just walk out with this shirt right now? They had Tetris shirts? You know what I did? Mm. I put it back. And I was like, God damn it. I can't do it. I failed you. I'm sorry. I should have never mentioned it. I, I didn't mean, realize you didn't know. <laughs> and, only, and only just a few short weeks later would you be paying your penance by choking down a cookie <laughs> shake that you didn't want to eat? They got me back. They, they got did. you back. Fuck. Um, yeah, look, man, uh, I, I recommend, if you want to see Tetris, see Tetris. If you were, if you feel mad about it, you're probably going to get what you think. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's an easy watch. Yeah. Um, What's the runtime? I think it's right at two hours. <gasps> Maybe a little over. 158. Uh, yep, there you go. God damn. I'm telling you, though, it breezes. Okay. It breezes. Uh, now, just a few minutes shorter than our hour 58-minute runtime at one hour and 51 minutes. God. Is air. That's right. Air Bud. This is the Air Jordan movie. When I yeah, look, uh, we talk about it on the Seltzer Cast today. Where uh, boy, did I fall for an April Fool's joke like an idiot! <laughs> and when I saw this trailer, I thought, "Did April Fools come early? What is this? This is this an SNL sketch that uh, we're we're just fully committing to?" Uh, this is a great movie. I'm gonna say, I I this is great. Um, my initial sort of comparison was like, oh, is this going to be like Ford versus Ferrari for shoes? And what I mean by that is like, we're seeing these movies where it's a marriage of sport and commerce. And the the stories that can be very nuanced that lie within those two very big worlds. Mm -hmm. And I think that those two are perfect examples uh, of that. Ford versus Ferrari and Air. Um, Air does... They do pretty much everything excellently here. Uh, the casting is top notch. Uh, Matt Damon is just, I mean, honestly, like, you know, at the end of the day, this dude's a very talented actor. He is very good. And I think that the the part of my connecting tissue of pitting air with four versus Ferrari is Matt Damon because he is in both of those movies. He plays two very different characters in those things. And he is both, but the confidence that he pulls off with being two very different people is just, uh, man, the guy's, he's, he's good. Weird. I'm kind of conflicted with the casting. I love what we throw up a Marlon Wayne's very into it. We get a little, we get a little bit of him. He does. He does a good job. Chris Tucker. Is he playing a straight role? Okay. Hell yeah. Absolutely not. He's not playing a straight role. Okay. He is. He's playing. So Chris Tucker is a part of Matt Damon and Jason Bateman's team. They all are representative of the basketball department within Nike. Mm -hmm. So the, the year is 1984. 
We're in the middle of the shoe wars. Winning the shoe wars is Converse. Converse at that time owned about 50% of the market. Okay. Uh, 30% of the market was owned by Adidas. I hate how energized you get about this stupid. I just remember they they, sh- they clearly show the graphics know, at the beginning so of the movie. I so excited about 50% of the market. Well, I'm just tuned in right now. I Focus. know. I like it. And then 17% is owned by Nike. So Nike has very little share in what's happening in the basketball shoe world. Because mm-hmm. 1984, Nike is a running shoe company. Nike is, uh, the CEO is Phil Knight, who is a white Buddhist in Oregon. Mm-hmm. What is cool about that? <laughs> Nothing. So Nike has no stake in the basketball game. Yeah. What they do have is Matt Damon, who knows basketball. Mm-hmm. He And that's why they brought him in, because he is an excellent basketball scout. He has excellent basketball connections. And uh, Jason Bateman plays more of the marketing guy on that end. And I love a Bateman. And then going back to Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker plays like the VP of basketball operations. So he is kind of the face of the department. Oh, right. And he is he's a very, um, you know, he's a personable guy. Anyone can have a conversation with him. So Chris Tucker is doing the Chris Tucker thing. And uh, actually, I like how they bring in Chris Tucker with Michael Jordan's parents who come in and they kind of like, I didn't know if another brother was going to be here. (laughs) It was good. It was, it was good. And Chris Tucker's just playing in the whole thing. And I don't know, I, because I've been in, uh, enough awkward business meetings in my life. Yeah. There's a certain energy there. They got that energy here. And, um, I, the cast just is excellent. They, everything was done right there on that. Um, who's Marlon Wayans in the movie? Marlon Wayans plays a uh, colleague of Matt Damon who, who had a connection with Michael Jordan. No poster love for him. Is no, he's a, he's a small part. Very small uh, man, part. I'd love to see more of the Wayans. Like, very small up. part. Very small part. Um, and then last, uh, and then I'll, I'll be done here. I am uh, astonished. That they casted Ben Affleck to play Ari Shafir, which is clear on the poster <laughs> of this movie. That is a pretty good, all right, good Dude, joke. I almost thought people. that was Adam Sandler when I was like, they got Adam Sandler in here? What the fuck? Let me tell you. He looks like Phil Knight. He, they, they did a good job. So Phil Knight is a Jewish fella? <laughs> or is he just playing one on the... I don't know. I don't know if he is. I mean, look at, <laughs> look at that picture. Phil Knight's an asshole. It looks like it's some uncut gems coming through here. Like... Uh, I thought Affleck was tremendous. Man, you know, uh, you're talking about how the world, we need villains and, you know, Logan Paul and who's that fucking video game Quasimodo motherfucker that sues everybody. What's his name? Used to love him. Ninja? No, the guy, you mentioned him earlier. Mr. Beast. No, the fucking computer. He's a video game dork. He cheated. Billy Mitchell. There you go, Billy Mitchell. We need villains, right? I'll get YouTube. I'm sorry. I just don't like watching Ben Affleck and Matt Damon do good. I I like I, <laughs> I like, get that, but it's fun. I like good. Ben Affleck yeah. at the Oscars or the, was it the Grammys? Did you see all those memes that came out when he was just like completely sober and bored? Oh yeah, with J Lo having fun and he was just sitting there looking like put a gun in my mouth. <laughs> I that's what I want. It's I again I think that Billy Mitchell because. Because I, you know, I, I, I know a lot about sports 
Um, humble brag. And right? I'm not, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a sneakerhead <laughs> guy. I've never owned a pair of Jordans, but I know culturally the uh, the importance that it brought. Uh-huh. So this is, uh, to be honest, um, a pretty important story, and I'm glad that that it's 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 being told and it's being told that the way it is um because i think it's it's properly done and i think it's big now and i think it's a perfect opportunity to do this because um i I, again outside of what the movie is saying i don't i don't know the factuality of whether or not um this is the first time where revenue sharing was ever a part of a financial deal, meaning that the athletes gets gets a share of the product that is sold, but the movie makes it seem like this the, this was unprecedented when that okay. happened. Yeah, um, which I'm and I'm not saying that that's not true, but I, I you know outside I don't know outside of the shoe industry if this was uh, if that truly set the precedent, but maybe it did. Um, and if it did, I mean even more so of how the importance of this deal that happened because uh, Nike had no shot no shot whatsoever. And so it's just the, the determination, uh, plays a big part of this, the underdog story that everybody loves. And, and yes, it's looking in the eyes of 2020. It's hard to see Nike as an underdog, Yeah, but they 100% were. And Nike is the monster that they are today because of this story, because then it goes into the financials of what the Jordan brand is worth today. And, but the vision that Matt Damon's character saw in Michael Jordan, no one else saw. And he put everything on the line for it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, how can you not like a story for that? So I just, uh, I, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I love it when they dramatize, um, sports stories, even if it is in the marketing end, because it's a business at the end of the day. So it's appropriate. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's good jokes here. Um, I like I liked everything about it. Randy, you saw this too. Yep, saw it uh, Thursday night at the AMC. It was actually pretty pretty crowded. Um, I will say going in, I didn't think it looked great, but I mostly enjoyed it. It is also a movie that, for the most part, you basically know how it ends, but you still kind of care about the story and care about the characters. Obviously, you know, like Clark said, Matt Damon is great and just like very much sells wanting to get his family to convince Michael to sign with Nike, which obviously, you know, we know, I'm pretty sure everyone of most ages knows that, uh, you know, Michael Jordan signs with Nike. So there's not like actually a lot of stakes there, but you do kind of like get wrapped up in it and you kind of like fuel the stakes. And um, it's kind of cool to see, like, I didn't know how much like his mom, Michael Jordan's mom was like, basically like the one kind of like making the deal and kind of like, Oh yeah the one that argues for the uh, the revenue share and everything. So it's kind of cool to see that it was like kind of her story as well. Um, and then, you know, you don't actually see the person that plays young Michael Jordan besides like some obscured shots where he's like behind someone or, you know, you see like the back of him or just like his figure just because like if you're going to show someone that looks, that's supposed to be playing him, it's probably going to look bad or like, you know, people are going to have like, opinions about that so i think they did a a good choice with that it's the only way to do it michael jordan is a is is one of the few people on the planet that we have canonized while they are still alive yeah it's always been that way with him and part of the reason is because of the existence of what happens in this movie 
is true. Like they created what Michael Jordan is today. They are the ones that created him into being. Now, yes, of course, he is the one who willed himself to be one, you know, one of the greatest and celebrated athletes and personalities of all time. But did his gambling debts end up killing his father? Oh, yeah, pretty close. Um, You know, that's all I'm going (laughs) to say, allegedly. So, uh, yeah, also the mom was a bulldog, Viola Davis. She was great. I mean, you know, anytime she shows up, you know what she's going to bring to the table, all right? That's what she does. She's going to bring it. Yeah. I like Jordan because of his baseball career. They show a clip of that. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I'm telling you, Randy, that, that end speech that Damon gave, that was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty goddamn good. And also, uh, dude, again, Affleck was just really good of how he bounced off of that. I love that meeting. I love that boardroom meeting. I could watch that for yeah. an hour straight. It's also a uh, a movie that, like, has fun with calling the movie's own shots because, like, you know, we like I said, we know how the story's going to go. And kind of, like, early on, Matt Damon's telling his mom, like, you're going to have a meeting with uh, Converse and it's going to go this way. You're going to have a meeting with Adidas and it goes this way. And then yeah. when you see the meeting, it's basically like exactly what he told them. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just like kind of fun how they just like, you know, they're telling a this cool story, but they also kind of like had fun with what they were doing. It's just, it's just good characters. It's just good character work. And it's, it's just, um, you know, these are believable people um, with an unbelievable story. And that's what makes it good. Now, <laughs> thank you so much. Shut I was hoping, fuck I, was hoping up. I could God get through that. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you're killing me over here. Here's what I'll say. You need a negative. I'm going to oh give you one. God. The goddamn needle drops. I was about to say that too. Yeah. Oh, bullshit. That's we're in the DNA. Rough. Look at the I cover. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But that violent film song, I don't need blister in the sun for two minutes. <laughs> In a driving montage. It's also like every scene opens and closes with one, it seems like. Man, the needle drops were... Because uh, it opens up with money for nothing. Oh, God. You're like, what are we doing? <laughs> All right, well, I can't wait till you and Randy come back next week and cover 80 for Brady. <laughs> they almost watched that the other day. I'm shocked you haven't watched it. I'll probably watch it. I mean, what else are you going to do? It's two hours long. Does that make you happy? Oh, my God. No, it's, it's an hour 40. Oh, it, it needs to be <laughs> 12 minutes for Brady. Uh, All right. As promised, I have a horror movie. Oh, okay. Jesus Christ. Okay. What do you got? From 1978. Oh, wait. Do you, here, let's get it real spooky in here. <laughs> a horror movie. Okay. This is a, uh, I believe, a beloved movie uh, from our former co-host, Justin Coop. Wait, what? <laughs> I think he uh, enjoys this movie. Oh, I thought you were going to say he was in it. I was like, dude, the Hulk doesn't the count. Hulk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Ang Lee Hulk. I'm talking about from 1978, starring Anthony Hopkins, Anne Margaret, and Burgess Meredith, Magic. Magic. It's a dummy movie. It's a dummy movie. Guys, this is excellent. This is great. Um, what we've got, you know what I love? <laughs> I love, I love haunted objects, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Who doesn't love a haunted object? I love them. We love a haunted object. We, we, and we also love a haunted doll. Do we not? Oh, well, dude. Love a haunted doll. Love yeah. a haunted doll. Even okay. though we fired one from the show. I also love that. Yep. 
I, I don't, I'm not going to conjure. <laughs> I also love ventriloquism. Now, I, I, I especially love it in movies. I love ventriloquism in film because... You don't love comedy ventriloquism? Uh, it's not that I don't. Um, it has a place, certainly, and it's not in... If, if I were to go on a cruise ship somewhere and then there was a... Vin- be a redneck. Oh, he does not do puppet work, Randy. <laughs> and a and a ventriloquist. I would go see if yeah, fine. I'm not poo-pooing ventriloquism or prop comedy. That's I don't do that. Everything has a place. And every again, ecosystems. Mm-hmm. You need everything. But I really like it in film because of the possibilities there, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and with here, it's uh we're kind of playing a game. Uh, throughout most of the movie, trying to figure out who's controlling who here. And I think that's always a fun game for me to, to be involved in. <laughs> um, the other part of this that, that, that I like is Anthony Hopkins. Now, I like Anthony Hopkins in this because, uh, now Randy, as I stated, this is 1978, so we have a younger Anthony Hopkins. A young Anthony Hopkins looks so much like Klaus Kinski to me, it's scary. Mm. So it's it's strange. A, a young Anthony Hopkins is playing an American man in this movie. Anthony Hopkins looks very European. Yeah. So for this very European man to to grow up in central Pennsylvania or wherever the fuck, <laughs> it's like, I'm not saying it's bad. What it does is it adds an interesting element to the story. Cool. And um, he's very good in this, especially in the, in the third act where things just get really uh, out of control. Um, he's great. And Margaret is lovely. Burgess Meredith is a national treasure. Uh, this movie is fantastic. It's it's great. Uh, also, the ending is fucking a bummer, man. You have never watched it. It's great. It is. I I I I I can't say enough high things about it. Um, How high were you when you watched it? Intermediate. I feel like you could go either way with this one. Little in, little out. Uh, no, great time. And fucking Richard Attenborough directed. Directed. Yeah. 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 You know, I think, God, I think Justin was selling a one sheet of it at like Uff a couple years ago. And everybody would come up and like tell their story and then not buy it. So it's it, it the movie starts out where um, Anthony Hopkins play. He's a magician and he's uh, he's doing nightclub acts, you know, and uh, him. He's a good magician, but he ain't got no he ain't got no stage presence. You understand? Mm-hmm. And his mentor, whose name is Merlin. Oh fuck yeah! Uh, what told is this, him weird the movie. <laughs> told him that he needs to uh, get get a personality. He said, "You want to make this work? You get a personality." Cut to a new scene, and he's out there on the stage. He's doing the same thing again, but then uh, he's and he's yeah, again. You can tell he he ain't got that swagger. He ain't got that confidence on yeah, stage. Yeah. And he's just he doesn't have control. 
and somebody starts to heckle him. Uh oh. And he goes out into the crowd. Oh shit. And when he comes and then he comes back on stage with the doll. Oh. And that's good. A star is born. The doll was heckling him. The doll was heckling him. And and now everybody's like it. And then Burgess Meredith, he's gonna be his new big time agent. Burgess Meredith does a great job here. He's wonderful. Um he comes in there and it's gonna tell him that you know, get him on the right narrow path. But boy, is life complicated with this doll. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, the, 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 and we're off to the races there and he goes back to his hometown and, you know, he finds his old crush there and, uh, played by Anne Margaret. Uh, that gets weird. Um, I, the other thing in this movie is that for 1978, I was surprised by the amount of F bombs in this movie. Oh, I love it. Um, I would say it's less than 10, but every time it caught me off guard, <laughs> And uh, a a somewhat sultry sex scene. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was a little surprised here. Threesome? Um, no, no the, threesome. The dummy doesn't no, join in. The, now, let me tell you something. The dummy, uh, he, he gets a little randy. Oh. Uh, <laughs> also, dude, big fan of the dummy. Big fan of the dummy. And also, as a part of of this sort of routine, they dress alike. That's eerie. Cool. It's it's and. And Anthony Hopkins' face and the doll's face, they did a really good job. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job. I I love this movie. It's great. Yeah, I was looking at um, Attenborough's directing career. He only did 12 movies, but he did A Bridge Too Far and followed that up immediately with Magic and then pivoted right into Gandhi. <laughs> so, And won him a couple Oscars. Yeah, maybe he was like, all right, that's enough of that. He did Gandhi after Magic? Yeah. Damn. Four years after. Yeah, because what Gandhi was at eighty two? Yep. How did you know what year Gandhi came out? I don't know. It's I have sickness. Are you done? You got any more? I'm done. All right. Well then I um found what, what fuck was it Tuesday night? When were we hanging out with the uh, East Bay cinematographer Jasadi Perkins? Tuesday. Thursday. Night. It was a Thursday? He randomly came over or something. Yeah, I think it was Thursday. And I was like, Well, okay, what do you want to do? And we're like, Well, let's watch a movie. And I took to Amazon Prime because we hooked up our shutter through there. And I'm like, oh, let's see what's on shutter. We pay for this fucking thing. And I never watch anything on it. So we were just scrolling. And God, Clark, you know how it goes. We just look at movies. We laugh. We, we cry. make predictions. We watch a trailer. Never actually pick a movie. Never do anything. Correct. And then we found a movie. Oh, boy. And we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, the movie is called The Pool from 2018. And we played the trailer because the poster was very uninspiring. And it, I forget, we were talking about how there are so many movies with like the pool as the title or like the swimmer and they're all like horror, but they all, whatever. So we swimmer's watched, tight. We watched the trailer and uh, there's a dude trapped in a, it's a diodrama. So it looks like the whole movie is going to take place in a drained pool where a gentleman is trapped. For some reason, there was no ladder. And there is a crocodile. And uh, we're like, what? And the shit looked very CG. And I said, you, should we just uh, jump in here? And, you know, pun intended, we did. So we threw it on. And the pool from 2018 is a Thai, right? It's Thailand. 
uh, in an abandoned six meter deep pool, a couple is stranded there with a deadly predator. Now this movie is fucking crazy. I would say it's, it, it walks. Oh, okay. I like my dumb shit, whether it's D and D or film to be taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. And if, even if it's dumb or played for laughs, I, I still want it to be very a thoughtful. Yeah. I don't like it being very self-aware. And like, oh, we're in on the joke. Like, don't do that. You want the commitment. This movie doesn't do that. So I believe there's a highbrow, very highbrow photo shoot taking place in this pool. And they have a couch underwater. There's a model who's doing a like 300 type. Oh, look, I'm. I'm. So what? what it's like Balenciaga minus the child porn. Dude, exactly. Okay. Although the, maybe there is child porn too. Okay. And we have a photographer underwater and they're taking beautiful photos, but it's so overwrought. And uh, our main character is a dude who's like a PA or something. I'm not sure. His name is Day. And um, he stays there. His job is to clean up after everything. Well, he falls asleep on a um, like inflatable lounge. What the fuck do you call those? Like an inflatable raft? Mattress. Inflatable ma- <laughs> mattress? Yeah. No, that you put in a pool. You don't put a mattress in a pool. Oh, yeah, a floaty. A floaty, yeah, he yeah. falls asleep. A mattress. Not a mattress. An air mattress. Like an inflatable, isn't it? <laughs> uh, an air mattress. So, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's, it's pool decor. He falls asleep on it, and unfortunately, the pool, uh, they warned him, it's going to start draining. So it drains to a point to where it's not mm, very easy for him to get out. So this movie, I'm going to, uh, if you're interested now, uh, or maybe you're not interested, if you watched Fall, which I brought up earlier, it's a diodrama of that caliber. This movie does not stop. Shit keeps happening. And it might be ridiculous, the shit that is happening, but it never it's never self-aware. It just keeps going and it keeps ramping up. And it gets ridiculous. The CGI, dude, the alligator treatment. One, it's not clear if it's an alligator or a crocodile. The proportions shift a little bit. There's some real footage of a... In Thailand? I, I, I would Thailand. lean... I would lean uh, croc. Okay. But I don't know. Crocodile would be the scarier choice, right? They're, 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 crocodiles are more narrow. <laughs> I have okay. like more narrow this features. One felt, he felt like a wide foot. He might have been an alligator then. But anyway, online, everybody's like crocodile alligator. They can't tell. And... It, it varies from, like, CG horrendous to, like, real. And I don't know. It's it's fine. You don't need that. Um, there's some gore in here. And, you know, as the pool drains... We, here, let me just give you a taste. So at one point, he's trying to get his phone. So he throws up, like, uh, a towel and tries to, like, knock the phone onto it. And then he's trying to pull it closer to him. The phone starts vibrating. It gets closer to the edge. Somebody's calling. The phone looks like it's about to commit suicide and jump in the pool. And everything, like, this is kind of like a nothing moment, but just the way that the film is orchestrated is like, it feels like it is a do or die situation. The girlfriend is annoying. She shows up a day late. There's a dog. The dog is named Lucky. And thankfully, the uh, the film is a little self-aware because the dog has impeccable luck. In fact, when the crocodile shows up, it's to kill the dog who is tethered to a pole or something. The dog is not free. And so is this a croc movie? Uh, not quite. No, it's more. It's got the final destination vibe of like fall. By the way, there are three indigenous crocs native to Thailand. Okay, so it could have been any of them. 
or all of them, the way that they were cutting and pasting. They appear things. to be endangered. Okay, well, if they're diving into pools to kill people and abort their baby, then maybe that's why. Oh, and, you know, I did say abort their baby because this might be a pro-life film. Hell um, yeah, brother. You, you know, you get into the third act and you're like, huh, they're really kind of lingering on the fact that they're starving. Oh, my God. So here, some of the things going on here. There's a, uh, so as the phone is going to commit suicide, it's like, who cares? He's going to catch it. Except his dog is on a leash and the collar is around its neck and the dog has jumped into the pool. So the pool water is draining. The dog's about to be hung. Dang. So he's got a choice. He either gets the phone and gets help or he goes over there and helps his dog. And he's our protagonist. He chooses the dog. Now, you might uh, get a little worried there and be like, you know, whenever a dog shows up in a horror movie, there's a good chance that the dog is just going to act as an extra hit point for our character and, you know, take a bullet, take a knife, just die. So if we hop on over to doesthedogdie.com. Here we go. Um, it will tell you. And I, I hope you hesitate before because... Does the dog die.com has a little bit of a uh, change it's gone through. Now, when you go to the website, it says crowdsourced emotional spoilers for movies, TV, books, and more. <laughs> They've expanded what they cover from just does the dog die? Oh boy. Again, if you're not familiar, my sister a long time ago and we would do movie reviews, she would Google everything. Like, oh, this, like if a pet showed up in the first act of a movie, she would go to doesthedogdie.com and just leave the room if the, the animal dies. Well, now uh, they're tracking 120 categories of things that may you may want to opt out of a movie for, including stillbirth, gun violence, shower scenes, farting or spitting, body dysmorphia, dog fighting, dementia, Alzheimer's, R word, finger or toe mutilation. There is 120 categories. So, you know, I just want to take a, a brief moment and commend doesthedogdie.com because now I feel confident that if you show a gnarly fucking movie, you could put, hey, you know what? If you're worried, if you're the type who's going to get offended, why don't you jump on doesthedogdie.com and uh, weigh into their many categories, which if you look up, Oksana, go ahead and look up this movie on there. It's kind of hilarious because what you do is you vote yes or no. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes people don't agree whether or not things have happened in a of film. Of course. Yeah, and it's very interesting because it's very cut or dry. See, it's, everything has an ecosystem. Anyway, the water drains. Uh, our main character tries to climb out of the pool. Again, there is no ladder here, unfortunately. And he gets one of the beautiful, one of the best. It made me cringe. Uh why were you holding on to that ledge with your fingernail moments as his fingernail rips off? Ugh. Yeah. It reminds me of the reboot of a uh, Texas chainsaw. Yeah. When the dude, for some reason that one really lingers with me. This one rivals it, dude. Um, again, pro-life film. They're eating alligator eggs. The alligator is not happy about that. Also the alligator sneaks into his girlfriend's uh, <laughs> inflatable mattress and goes in between her legs, and somebody talks about how he was going to steal the baby out of her. Also, she's pregnant but didn't want to tell her boyfriend because he would have told her to get an abortion. Although in Thailand, it is illegal. So this is definitely a plot point that comes up. Also, if you're just completely out on this, uh, don't skip ahead. If you're going to watch a movie, skip ahead right now as the way that our protagonist gets out of the pool is lucky. The dog who just has impeccable luck makes the conscious decision to jump into the pool as it's drained 
which would break its neck and hang it from the wall of the pool. This is one of the most graphic dog deaths I've seen oh in a movie so that the main character can climb its body out of the pool. It's brutal. And if it weren't Easter, I probably wouldn't linger here so much, but yeah. it's rebirth and, you know, give a life, take a life. I don't know. <laughs> Leave a penny, take a penny. Uh, <laughs> he gets out and the, the girlfriend and the unborn child make it. But my God, there's shenanigans in here. There's a bit where the pizza gets delivered, but he's like, there's nobody here. And he's calling it's Pizza Hut, too, in Thailand. Oh, boy. And he's like, hey, there's nobody here. But the guy is at the bottom of the pool. He's trying to clog the drain because he doesn't want the water to drain out. So he's unfortunately, he gets hooked in the drain. So he sees the pizza guy from the bottom of the pool and he's screaming, trying to get out. And the pizza guy's like, oh, I don't see him. All right, I'm just going to leave it on the diving board next to the dog. All right, I'm out. And he gets on his moped. And right when our hero breaks the, the top of the water in the pool and screams, the dude revs his moped and can't hear him and drives away. If you want to be in for a movie that is that I mean, it gets ridiculous. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, though. Um, also, shout out to Bill Spataro, who, when I posted I was watching this, immediately commented, I told you about this movie years ago. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. I'm sure, I'm sure you did. You watch everything, and you make it all sound good, and I just can't. I'm, I'm surprised how many people like review this on Letterboxd that I follow, because, I don't know. Did it play, it play like festivals? Or I have something? no idea. It is a foreign film, and Letterboxd, they all like to be enlightened. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, apparently they didn't like it. I had a good time. Me and Jasadi were sitting there. We're like, dude, this is easily a three and a half, maybe a four. We stuck at three and a half. Um, the pool, watch it. It's on Shutter right now. Uh, is there anything else I want to mention? There is a lot of insulin in this movie. It's a MacGuffin. Also, I think our, our lead would have died with four days uh, without the shot. Chekhov's insulin? Chekhov's, well, I mean, he does find some hidden in the sewer. Oh. It's very it's very complicated. Randy, didn't you open for sewer insulin years ago? <laughs> yep. Went on tour with them actually. Yeah. Okay, so um then today I, I knew I wanted to get up. I because honestly I didn't expect to talk about the pool. And I'm like, you know, what what's the movie we should talk about? And I feel like we cover too much new shit. So I'm like, dude, we got to start doing Overlook shit. Uh, we just covered Magic from 1978. I know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I didn't. You had a secret movie. How was I going to know that you were going to pull out a dumb? Because you should expect the unexpected. unexpected. From me. I know. Thank I'm you learning. So, much. so you know what I did? I went, all right, what are we going to do? Maybe physical media. And I thought about it. And I want to say a shout out to our, our good listener um, and loyal fan, uh, Mr. Rich. I don't know which name to use, so I'm just going to go Rich. Uh, he brought me a few DVDs at the Unnamed Footage Festival, Ooh. 666 edition. One of them, I believe we were talking to Alex from uh, Screambox, and we were talking about when you run a blog and people want you to talk about their movie, they may include like cool swag with it. And he said the best thing he ever got was for the movie The Drone, which was a drone. They just included a fucking drone. Oh, yeah. And I believe Rich heard that episode and brought me a copy of The Drone on DVD. Yeah. So we watched it. Sans a drone. And who knew that a movie about a drone from the director of Zombievers, which, God, honestly, that makes a lot of sense. It uh, From the producers of Searching and Unfriended, too. There's, there is a shout out to Timmer in the end. Um, that would be. Searching's whack, though. Okay, okay Randy. <laughs> 
Um, this film, like I just mentioned how I don't like movies to be self-aware. The drone could not be more self-aware. Yet, man, I liked it. I had a lot of fun here. And oddly enough, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of parallels with the pool. You didn't say the best part what? is the tagline. What's the tagline? It runs on batteries and blood. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the vibe. Imagine if Full Moon knew what they were and then they just leaned into it. Oh, what a world. No, but I'm like the music, it feels Casio keyboard, but it's kind of good. Hey, oh, Wesley like, Willis shows up? Wesley Willis shows up. Well, it feels a little bit more MIDI. Like it kind of has a digital tinge. Like everything in here, again, this is a um, uh, suburban couple living above their means. Uh, the girl's an architect. The dude's a uh, fashion photographer. And they move into a very white people house, as Terrell would say. They have no curtains. Everything's high tech. Lots of windows everywhere. And they're they're very horny. Um, again, Hell yeah. you want a critique of a movie, put some nudity in it. I, there's no nudity. What the fuck? I know it's 2019 and I know you can get it everywhere. In the Everybody's internet. flashing their pace these days. But they're talking about fucking like humping the whole time. The whole movie's about voyeurism. Okay. So the movie is child's play, but instead of, uh, 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 what the hell's his name? Charles, Charles Lee. Lee Ray. Thank you. Going into a doll. Yeah. He goes into a drone. Um, how it happens is a little Frankenstein. Is it voiced by Brad Dorf? No, and that's really what it needed. So, but they knew it. They knew we ain't got Brad Dorf. What are we gonna do? Fuck it. We'll just have computer Get Brad Dorf's daughter. <laughs> hey, that works. She's yeah. good. Um, so the drone. They find this creepy dude. He's he's stalking redheads with a drone. Um, instantly we're we're brought back to Hitchcockian days of Hollywood as the drone acts as kind of a more invasive rear window narrative here, where um, instead of just looking out your window, you're literally flying a drone to other people's windows. And um, he's murdering them. Uh, we don't get to see that as immediately the uh, police kick down his door. He's doing coke. He has two uh, monitors active. One of them has the drone footage that he's watching. The other one has a game of digital chess. Which I'm like, oh, is that a weird wink to, like, the thing? And oddly enough, there's a lot of homage. Like, subtle homage. I believe one of the characters is staying in room 237. Uh, One of the... uh, There's another... There's, like, a It Lives, like, written on a wall in blood. A character's drinking rum. (laughs) Yes. And it's red. Um, So they knew what they're doing. And I'm like, I'm, I'm interested. And then we get uh, one of Randy's favorite actors, uh, Simon Rex, makes an appearance. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And instantly dies. And I'm like, fuck. I really wanted to see Dirt Nasty in here. Fuck! So I think he's here. <laughs> I, I believe he was some sort of law enforcement who was going to take the drone and give it to his daughter. Now he makes a... What, what are you making that face? Did you... Did I what? Did you see who does one of the voices? No. It better be good after that reaction. Del- Chris D'Elia. <laughs> oh, what? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Chris is right. in this movie? Breaking news. <laughs> All right. Oh. Holy shit. We might have to God. edit this whole segment out. <laughs> Chris D'Elia, a popular comedian who is uh, dubbed the diddler online because he likes to diddle underage women and make them. He brands them with a CD that looks like a heart. Again, the letters C and D on their neck. And John Mayer. And John yeah, Mayer. Okay, you that. left that out. <laughs> well, he's less controversial. Uh, 
<laughs> Maybe I don't know anything about him. Holy. He's homies with Chappelle. My God. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I should have looked at IMDb. Um, <laughs> Any anyway, God, that completely derailed me. So, okay, we're doing the Hitchcock thing. We have a drone acting as a voyeur. We have a we have a serial killer who's chased to the roof of his building and um, makes some hollow threats and is struck by lightning in which he dies and somehow is transferred into the drone. We don't waste a lot of time here. We're introduced to our uh, beautiful, very Hollywood-looking couple. Uh, one of them is very pro-tech. The other one has some tech PTSD. Oh, boy. And uh, there's a drone that they find in a garbage can. And he's like, whoa, check it out, a drone. And she's like, that's probably belongs to a neighbor, like a local kid. And he's like, whoa, whatever, we'll give it back. This movie has a lot of fun. And, you know, Gerald, Gerald, Geraldson, I thought was the keeper of the best drone kill ever in his first feature film. But uh, we have a double decapitation in this movie. Double decapitation. Um, oh, man, look, I, may, I took so many notes here. We have a good theme. There's one of the most annoying scarves I've ever seen in a movie. There's a moment where a neighbor is about to be killed. And I swear to God, they were taking a shot at House of the Devil. She had headphones on. She had a little tape thing. She's very 80s. She's dancing around her house at night. I've, I think even the shots might line up. But like. Why would they take shots of House of the Devil? I don't know. But they like, wouldn't. I think they did. All right, let's get the let's get the director on here. Okay. I think they got they got some beef with Ty West. I'm down. Oh, if I, that's the case, <laughs> let's do it. Why wouldn't it just be homage? You made a bunch of other. References. It might be homage, but I, I, why would it be an homage to House of the Devil? Well, because it's a fine movie. One horror fandom. I mean, I caught it. Yeah. The other thing is, again, you are Icarus. <laughs> Postmodernism. You know, I own the art. Once the director spits it out, postmodernism's dead. <laughs> We're post-cringe now. We're post-cringe. Um, dude, this movie, there was a uh, store clerk who I thought his name was Flip. He's a uh, very skinny black dude. I'm like, his name's Flip. And there's this weird bit out of nowhere. Flip Wilson. Where our lead uh, takes in the drone. And he's like, hey, I think I'm having problems. Or, you know, he wants to buy a control. So the, the clerk says, okay, we got, we got um, controls. Uh, do you want it in white or black? And he stares at him. In the eye. And the dude's like, um, uh, black. And he's like, I'm joking. We only have it in white. He's like, well, I would have went, I would have picked the black one. He's like, yeah, sure. You would have. It's the weirdest moment, but the movie is self-aware, but it's, it doesn't derail itself yeah. until the third act where the rules are just out the window. They hire a private PI. He gives them a phone call and he's like, we've, we've locked the, the location and I will go there in the morning and then we pan out and he's on the toilet and I instantly thought Clark would love this and then the scene doesn't end and he pulls out an iPad and he's like it's got the location of the drone and the location is getting nearer and nearer and he's like what something's going on it's like 20 meters away 10 5 2 and he's like huh what's going on so he stands up it's the only nudity in the movie. We get to see his flat white butt <laughs> as he, I think it's looking out a window. Is and, there poo on it? Uh, no, but it, you know, it did really give that vibe. Like if I could imagine it with poo. Okay. Um, and the drone gets in there and flies directly into his rectum. Oh, there's a cut of uh interior rectum cam. And uh, yeah, this How is, big is his drone. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but the drone takes a picture of his butt oh. and sends it to the clients along with the threat. 
also like the, the pe- inside or the outside of his butt? The outside, right before entry. Also, uh, but it did penetrate. Oh, it goes in. There's a cut of like anal canal. So this is like part inner space. Like a Gaspar though. Noe film, <laughs> dude. Yeah. It the movie gets unhinged. Um, is it funny? You know, I would hate it if the. So have you ever seen Zombievers? No. <laughs> Zombievers is another one. It's good. Like it in no world should I have liked that movie, but I did, and I would watch it again, and I think I would give it a four. Um, Why would you not like it? You like zombies. I don't like Zombievers because the name makes me roll my eyes and the concept (laughs) bores me to death. But then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, they understand. Like they get it. There's still something here. And like I said, there's a lot of gore in here. They tease a lot of nudity. We only get a butt. Um, And weirdly enough, there is a uh, family dog. So if we hop on over to DoesTheDogDie.com. Uh, Oxen, did you ever look up the pool? Yeah. Did Can you read the entries on that? Because if you pull up the top, here, I'll just do it while I'm talking. It is kind of gnarly. And I believe they get into, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Um, Go up to the very top, because I think the more votes you get, it pushes you up to the top. So the, the, the top one is, does the cat die? Which 11, oh, it's, they said no, okay. Yeah, but there's no cat in that movie. So it's like, what? why is that even up there? Why did one person say yes? I know. That's why I'm like, there's some arguing about the the horrors that lie in these movies. Does the dog die? Does an animal die? Are animals abused? Is there dog fighting? If you scroll down, does a horse die? Does a horse die pops up in every movie I've looked at. Is someone gaslighted? (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's what now we're talking. I mean, if they're not, what are we even doing watching the movie? Um, I think this is a appropriate um, juncture here to uh, interject with a news story uh, that broke out in my home state of Mississippi, oh, where no. a 19-year-old girl was arrested um, after posting a story on Snapchat where she was performing sexual acts with her dog. Oh, oh. yeah. What the fuck? And Twitter's having a fun time. Oh, dude. Did you say she posted it on TikTok? Uh, Snapchat. Uh, I also learned Snapchat is still a thing. People yeah, use. no, people use it a lot. Well, uh, they're using it to fuck doggies. So, again, if we go back to the poll, does the dog die? The first one is, does a cat die? One vote yes, 11 votes no. Does the dog die? 31 votes yes, no, no votes. And there's a comment. There's five comments. The first one by Harbottle64 says, unfortunately, all rather graphically, the dog hangs itself by its lead, trying to jump into an empty pool to help its owner. Horrible. (laughs) So, again, I highly recommend people check this out. Now, on the drone, it doesn't give that much detail, but for some reason, the dog hates the drone. And the drone taunts the dog. Now, the dog has been kicked out of the house because the dog's trying to warn them. It's like, dude, your drone, it's possessed. But they're like, shut up, dog. So they stake it outside in the backyard. Well, the drone is like, hey, dog, fuck you. And it flies over the the fence to the neighbor's yard. The dog jumps over the fence trying to catch it and hangs itself by the fence. So this is the second movie that has a close-up of a dog hanging from something. Where else? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I implore you, where else? 
Are you going to listen to a podcast where you get a double feature of dog hanging? Dog death. That's what we should name this episode. Man almighty. Um, The movie's bonkers again. um, It's fun, though. It was an easy watch. I th- you'll find lines like this. Yeah, easy watch. My easy watch is Tetris. <laughs> Your easy watch is Dog Death Part Two. Dude, uh, when they when the police are kicking down the door of the killer in the beginning, we get great lines like "They found me. I need to call an Uber." <laughs> That's pretty good. I had to write that down, and I knew everybody would enjoy it. Um, yeah, the drone. Uh, thanks again, Rich. Also, How many stars? Now, Rich is a connoisseur of found footage. He's very deep into it. So when he brought me the drone and I saw searching and unfriended from the producers of on there, I'm like, oh, Timmer had his fingers in here. Maybe we're going to have a hybrid film. There's not a moment in this movie that's in world camera. So I was a little disappointed yeah. by that. But I mean, what are you going to do? Um, star rating. Oh, that's tough. Oksana, what would you give it? Four stars. D- damn. I also really enjoyed the soundtrack. Soundtrack was good. Also, you rated this movie higher than one of the waters that we talked about today (laughs) that was on a 10 point scale. I think I gave the water the same, but then it got subtracted 0.5. It got penalized. Yeah. Um, Fuck, man. I wish I was so confident like you with that four. I'm like in a three and a half. If I had the drone, easy four. I would uh, would display it, I would show it. also, the drone, it has a uh, final act transformation that uh, is a bit demonic. Oh. This movie's very f- horror forward. Okay. You know, so, you left with, out. Why? You left out in the beginning. He reads binary to go into the drone. He does. He reads what? Binary. binary. Yeah, what did you say? Binary? <laughs> what is it? Binary. Binary. Oh, I've been saying it wrong for <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> and you're a Tetris champion. I feel yeah. like you should know this. Yeah, when he's on the roof and they have guns on him, he goes, zero, one, one, zero, zero. And they're like, what's he doing? He's like, I think he's speaking binary. And then he gets hit with lightning. You know, that's very similar to Mission Impossible uh, Ghost Protocol. Okay, no. Where Tom Cruise has memorized the entire uh, blockchain code for uh i think it was 32 billion dollars really in Swiss accounts yeah it was pretty tight so he couldn't get like he couldn't lose his digital wallet well because something? like because if, if the guy if the guy killed tom cruise then he wouldn't get the money oh. because like the guy's like where's the file he's like i am the file bitch that's funny because in the drone they have a security code oh i i, I should mention the also it's mission possible fallout i'm so sorry the so they have a security code that looks like it's 16 numbers that you have to enter and uh, they drop that bit immediately as he d- he hits two buttons and they move on. But the PTSD, the girl, her ex-boyfriend, who turns out to be the drone killer, uh, <gasps> gifted her a remote control car, which she drove into the road. She wasn't even thinking. She just drove this thing out into the road. Dumb bitch. And a car full of a family tried to swerve out of the way and hit a tree and they all died. A car full <laughs> of a family. <laughs> it was overflowing with family. They were so full of family. <laughs> And all and dead. They ooze all over the road. <laughs> so that was her PTSD. That's why she has an ill relationship oh. with technology. Also, you read the tagline from the back. There's one on the front. Uh, what's the front? Your remote has no control. That's not bad. Well, it actually ties into the plot. Yeah, it's not bad. But I like it runs on batteries. 
well, blood. Here's the thing. He takes it back to Flip, whose name actually turned out to be Philip. Uh, <laughs> That's with an F. Mm-hmm. Who does that with an F? And one L. Philippe. Okay. I didn't know it had an accent, Mark. I, I can't be held to that standard. Felipe. So they bring it back and he's like, hey, dude, your remote's not paired. And they're like, oh, that's the problem. Mm-mm. That's why it's killing people. Damn. Decapitations. It butchers the girl. Uh, it really is played for laughs. Mm. Liked it. Great. All right. We did it. Good job, gang. <sighs> didn't we talk about having a shorter show? What, what is, is this? That? Two and a half hours long? Is our, our water delivered? Our water has been delivered. Okay. <laughs> go get it and we'll we'll do it right here on this show. Okay. <laughs> and then can we give him the can we give him the recording? Yeah, let's just do that. Well, he said it. to he said to call that number. Randy, can we just send him the file? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just do that. That'd be good. Uh, all right, so let's Let's do we want to roll it all together or do we want to isolate it? Let's roll it all together and we can cut this out. Let's do that. So is this in the episode? Oh boy. Yeah, we're still in. How damaged is this box gonna be? <gasps> our heart is racing right now. <laughs> all right. Now Russell has returned from receiving our aforementioned sparkling waters that did not make it in time for our review. But we have them now. Randy, call them up. Can you call up the number? All right. So uh, in the episode, which if, if you listen to, which drops uh, the day after uh, this episode airs, um, we talk about this particular bottled water company having uh, terrible, terrible reviews on Amazon for having leaky boxes yeah everybody critique the packaging in the five star reviews and the one star so just so randy can see it is weird that they put bubble on one side of the box yeah not even the bottom not for impact but everything looks okay there's yeah. bubbles in the cans too though so you should be good uh we're intact everything looks i don't okay. see any leakage that's a nice uh i got no problem with that case Oh, dented can. Dented can. Also, is this our first podcast crossover event? I guess so. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll pass these around. Thank you so much. Randy, you could come pick up yours whenever you're free. <laughs> right. uh, Randy, the Texas Limestone Filtered. Looks good. Rambler, sparkling water from Texas. All right, I won't tease this any more than it needs to be. And also, we can't. Ooh, good pop. Actually, we shouldn't say our ratings. Uh, Randy uh, erased that when I said Biocide's ratings. That's bad business. Oh, I stand by mine. I think it's horrendously boring. <laughs> Is it cold, though? I think my tongue's trying to move out of my mouth. <laughs> it's room temperature. My mouth was always too small for it, anyway. It's exactly what I thought it would be. I don't. <laughs> it's better than that Canada Dry one. It is better. It is better. It tastes a little bit more. I don't know, more natural water flavor than I got with the Canada Dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the score I gave on the show is probably a little bit lower than it should be. Uh, however, I don't think it's of a great consequence. 
Um, so mine would have been lower. So I, I say I, I, my proper rating, I, if I had to re-rate, so I take another sip, I feel very comfortable at a five. Yeah. I think that's what I had. Mine, yeah. mine would have been higher. Really? Mm-hmm. I like the shit that you gave me earlier. Which not one? not the Mountain Valley, the other one. The Canada? Yeah, it, it felt more well, like a hey, LaCroix. have no worry, because we have plenty. <laughs> or if you don't want them, I'll drink them. Great. You want to trade? <laughs> I don't know. Oksana likes this shit, though. I don't, I'm not a fan of unflavored seltzer water, so usually. Yours would have went up? Mine would have went up by a point and an eighth. I think mine would have went down. I'd probably be at a four. Interesting. Yeah. Wait, you're not supposed to say the... Your score. Well, no, because if, if we're going to send him this, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. We're doing a new thing. Who cares? So, yeah. <laughs> How's that? Water's here. Uh, it's not much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it arrived intact. It did? Yeah. All right. Well, what a way to end the show. Perfect timing. It was pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, and uh, mm. yes. In the future, we may get it delivered by drone. Oh. Yeah. That, let me tell you something. That's got to be a hefty drone because it's the only <laughs> water. You should have watched the movie. I'd rather have the the weird robot that runs over all terrains. Oh no, those are terrifying. Those are terrifying. Those are I don't, terrifying. I don't need chappy. I'd rather have a sky <laughs> full of drones than a a sky full of drones. <laughs> Coldplay. <laughs> I'm gonna give you my heart. I don't care. Randy, take us home. I only know Yellow by Coldplay. It's the only song I've ever done karaoke to. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>